Hi, my name is Ushma Vice and welcome to a new episode of All Girls Rule the Podcast. In this series, I'm talking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things. I'll be chatting to change makers, trailblazers, and finding out just how they achieve their dreams. Today's guest is challenging stereotypes and breaking barriers for women in competitive shooting. It's with Great Britain and England rifle shooter, Ruth Moendumba. Ruth, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Can you tell me a little bit about how you became involved with competitive shooting? So when I was in school, I was in the Army Cadets and one of the things that we got to do was travel the country and try loads of different like fun activities. So it'd be things like abseiling and zip lining and you know, assault courses and all things like that. And um, shooting was actually one of the activities that we got to try. It's a completely different style of shooting to what I do now, but that's how I first kind of got a taste for the sport and started to learn more about it. And I kind of just went from there, really. And how old were you the first time that you picked up a gun? I think I was 13. Wow. What did it feel like for you to pick up this gun? And were you aware of it really being a weapon? I think I was aware of it, um, mainly because in the cadets, one of the things they drill into you is like weapon safety. Aside from those rifles that we were shooting, you have like standard cadet rifles. So I'd seen different rifles and been around them before within the cadets so it didn't feel too abnormal it just felt like like a part of what we were doing and also they were really kind of old style army rifles so for me I just thought you know this is part of what you learn in cadets. How did you transcend from the army cadets to shooting competitively? So like I said when I shot in the army cadets it wasn't really like a thing that I was doing on a regular basis it was only if I went away from camp and we'd do it for like an hour as an activity. So I didn't actually get into shooting competitively until I was 22, which was much like a lot of years later. But once I'd had that opportunity to shoot in the Army Cadets, I knew that it was something that I would do in the future. There were things that I had to take into account, like when you join a shooting club, you have to be a certain age unless you have an adult to join with you. And unfortunately, at the time, both of my parents weren't in, the, in a position to be able to come with me to a shooting club. So I had to wait until I was old enough to be independent and do that myself. So, yeah, I didn't really get into it until, like I say, like nine years later. And a lot of people would think about shooting as quite an expensive sport to do as well. Is that true? Yes, it's definitely not the cheapest sport to do. Some rifles can cost up to seven grand. Then you have, once you get to a certain level, you wear a shooting suit and that's made to measure. And because it's made to measure and it's custom fit, they can be sometimes up to two grand as well. And then there's loads of different little accessories. So it does add up when it is a fairly expensive sport. And when you're actually shooting, can you talk me through the skill set that you need and how you can develop that and improve on that? It's really hard to describe, but I'd say that like it's very much a mental sport. So obviously there are like technical things that, you know, come with every sport that you have to develop and skills in that sense. However, once you develop the technical skills, it is very much a mental game. It's dealing with 
pressure in those high pressure competitions and being able to basically be on your A, a game in those moments. So yeah, I'd say it's it's very much a mental sport. And that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think maybe a lot of people don't actually realise that it is quite a mental sport and that you really have to develop that skill set mentally. So how do you do that? So everyone has their own different way of like dealing with situations because obviously there are some people who being in high pressure environments doesn't really bother them at all. And so they'd obviously have to do less work than someone who gets really like emotionally distressed in those situations. For me personally, I find guidance from reading a lot of sports psychology books and I'm also working with a sports psychologist as well but I think yeah when you get to a certain level it is just finding out what works best for you and going from there. Are you quite a calm person by nature generally? I'd say by nature yes but when I get in the shooting environment in a competition setting I I do experience a lot of nerves so it is something that I've had to work a lot on. For many people it's quite hard the concept of guns and knowing that they can be dangerous as a weapon is quite difficult to get their head around so is that something that you had to reconcile yourself with when you were thinking about shooting as a sport um not really I mean like I say in when I was in the cadets one of the things that was heavily like pushed onto us was weapon safety so from a young age before I even got competitive in the sport I was aware of that And I'd honestly say that shooting is one of the safest sports out there in the sense that we don't have, you know, you rarely get an injury from a shooting sport. It's really safe in how you're set up and everything. So, like, it would be very difficult for someone to ever get hurt within the sport. I think, obviously, there is this perception that you are dealing with weapons and so it's dangerous. But once you see a shooting competition environment, you realise that it's really not at all. I'd love to know, what do you love about shooting so much? How does it make you feel? I think there are lots of things that I love about it. One of the things that I love is obviously getting to travel with the sport and like getting to see all of these different countries and cities and meeting shooters from other places. But I also quite like the challenge of, you know, trying to compete with those who are on a similar or higher level than me and kind of like aspiring to get to that level. So some people kind of like to shy away from challenge. But for me, I see it as a way to better myself. Are you quite competitive by nature generally? I don't think I am, but I've been told that I am. So maybe I am. (laughs) And we've touched on this a bit earlier, but I imagine the route to taking it up as a professional sport isn't easy and it's expensive. And can you tell me how that works? So a lot of people that I've spoken to, have got into the sport through things like scouts and cadets when they were younger but when you pass that age uh, there are other ways that you can get into it so universities usually have rifle clubs and people get into it that way but also on the British shooting website there's a section called find your club and you can type in your postcode and it'll show you like the nearest clubs to where you live and usually a lot of shooting clubs they'll accept new members and you know they'll give you an induction and what the sport is how it works they'll probably let you try a few different styles of shooting and then yeah people get into it through that way really just join in a local club and start by doing like local competitions once they're more established and working their way up from there and you've talked a little bit about how the gun that you started shooting on 
it's totally different to the one that you shoot on now. Can you explain how that works? So ammunition wise, it was the same. However, the style of rifle, when you get to a certain level of competing, I'm not sure if you've seen like photos of the rifles that I shoot with, but they look, you know, very sleek and you you see competition rifles are different to, to those rifles that I was shooting in the cadets. So there are similarities, like I say, in, for example, the type of ammunition that you shoot from the rifle. However, the rifle itself, it's just like when you get to a certain level and you're competing at a certain level, the rifle style almost like changes. They become a lot more precise and there are just elements to it that, that make it a competition rifle. I, years ago, had to do a training course uh, for when you get sent to different countries to work as a journalist. In one of these training courses, I had to pick up a, an AK-47. And what went through my mind was just how heavy it was, that actually you have to have quite a good level of fitness to hold it even. Is that something that you have to maintain as well? So shooters maintain their fitness. A lot of shooters work on like different types of fitness, whatever works best for them. But for me personally, my fitness that I work on is not to do with the weight of the rifle because you can alter the weight of the rifle to what suits you best. So there are limits, like upper limits as to how heavy your rifle can be, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be that heavy. So if you prefer a lighter rifle, you can you can do that. But the fitness that I work on, for example, is my core, so that when I'm in the standing position, I'm more balanced and things like that. So, like I say, it's not really to do with the weight of the rifle for me, but there might be shooters out there who have a heavier rifle and therefore they need to work on like their upper upper body strength, for example, so that they don't get tired. Again, it comes back to fitness um, habits depending on what works best for you. Like most athletes, I guess your long-term goal is the Olympics. At the moment, it's a bit hard to train towards things because competitions are getting cancelled left, right and centre. We're in a period now where things are starting to come back. However, it's still a bit uncertain about what's going to go on this year. So at the moment, I'm kind of just taking each competition as it comes. We have our English championships, which have just been confirmed for September. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they go ahead. And what are you training towards at the moment? I think at the moment I'm kind of just keeping my eyes peeled for what competitions are going to be available next year. And then once I have a calendar, I'll start working towards those once I know what they are. What kind of reception have you had from the shooting community so far? I think the shooting community has been like very welcoming to me. I've been competitive shooting now for three and a half-ish years. And I think everyone's just been very helpful. I think a lot of shooters within the community, once they are established shooters, they're really keen in getting new people involved in the sport. And I definitely felt a sense of that when I first joined. Any questions that I had, people were there to answer. People were really keen to like just help me out. And now I feel like I'm in a position where I'm doing that to new shooters. So it's great. The community as a whole, um, it's just a great community. And what about diversity within shooting? Is there a lot of diversity within shooting? I would say no, not in this country. Within the UK anyway, I'd say no. I mean, it's something that I'm personally trying to to work on with British shooting to hopefully change that in the future. Have you had to deal with negative stereotyping? There's this quote that 
I remember reading about you and it, it kind of stopped me in my tracks. So it was a headline article and you said, I drive in British shooting clothing in case I get stopped by police. I'm guessing there's a bit of an occupational hazard for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that So that headline story, it basically came from, I was living in London for a period of time and growing up and being raised in Liverpool, stop searches is something that I was not aware of at all. Like up here, it's just not a thing. And then moving down to London, being surrounded by so many people on a personal level, friends that I knew that it was happening to them. I was almost like, what is this? Like, I've never experienced this where I come from. Bizarre. But then living in London alone, in a flat alone with rifles and traveling alone with rifles in this new city, I was almost, I became more anxious about, okay, so I know people that are close to me that it's happening to, it could easily happen to me. And how am I going to deal with that situation if it does happen to me? So one of the things I did, which it was almost like a method of easing my anxiety, was when I was traveling with rifles, I'd make sure that I had my British shooting kit on, just in case I ever did get stopped. It would almost be like a quick response, like, okay, look at me, look at how I'm dressed, like I'm wearing my team kit. I'm not just traveling with firearms for the sake of it kind of thing. I mean, it's really sad that you even have to think about that, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Have you had any negative stereotyping when it comes to to shooting? I have mainly by, not so much anymore, but I experienced it quite a bit when I was a student and when people would ask what sport I do and I'd tell them and like people would try and make an association between me being black and being involved with weapons. But the thing is, people would try and play it off as like banterish joke without realizing like how it can affect someone. So I'd say that was that's probably like the main kind of stereotypes types that I've had to deal with. I read once that you were competing in Luxembourg and you had a bit of an uncomfortable situation with some of the people there. At that competition, I was like the only black shooter there, which isn't too uncommon for me, but. It was the first time I'd been at that competition and there were some girls, I won't really go into it, but there were some girls who kind of went out of their way to make me feel uncomfortable right before the competition started. And it did throw me off my game because it was the first time I've ever experienced something like that. So yeah, it wasn't nice and it was a difficult moment, but I think it was also a turning point in my kind of shooting career because it was moments like that that make me want to work harder and prove that I'm no different. I can do just as well. And when you are the only black person who's in a shooting competition, is that something that you're acutely aware of? Or or when you're in kind of athlete mode, do you just block everything out? I'm very aware of it. It's hard not to be aware of it, especially if it's a competition where there are like 200 athletes and you're the only one. It's something I think I'll always be aware of. However, when I'm actually on the firing line and getting ready to shoot, I'm not thinking about it at all. It's something that I'll probably be aware of when I walk into the competition and I notice it there in that moment. However, when it comes down to actually shooting, I'm very much like happy to get into game mode and I don't really think about anything else apart from trying to perform well. You've said that you would love shooting to be a lot more diverse and you'd want to be involved in sort of helping that. So I'm currently working on something with British shooting at the moment. I can't really go into it yet. However, hopefully. 
later on this year we have some exciting things that that will help help to do that and um yeah fingers crossed it all goes well when you're trying to get say people involved in sporting from diverse communities in fact from all communities because it is such an expensive sport what avenues do people have in order to make that happen well one of the things I think that probably puts people off getting involved in sport is how expensive it is but one of the things that I always try and encourage people to do is I mentioned earlier when you go to local clubs a lot of local clubs will have equipment for you to try out and it will be club owned equipment and so when you if you do decide to join the club when you go on a regular basis you can use that club equipment and I always think that that's perfect for someone who who doesn't quite know whether the sport's for them or not and so it gives them a chance to try out this equipment and start shooting on a regular basis using this borrowed equipment that gives them an opportunity to see whether they like it before they decide to make that big investment because it is a big investment and obviously it's not one that should be made if, if it's something that you're unsure about or whether you, you know, you might not know whether you like it or not. So I think it's really great that clubs offer that opportunity for, for their members to borrow their equipment when they're shooting and try it out. So yes, it is expensive, but I think if you get to a point where you know it's something that you want to do, especially for a long time, once you've had that opportunity to, to try it out and train on a regular basis with borrowed equipment, I think it's an investment that's worth it. How expensive is it? Is a gun? Oh, they range. Top level ones can be £7,000. So they, yeah, they can be expensive. And as a competitor, you've got to own your own ones or can that be affiliated to the club that you're with? You could technically borrow one from a club if they have one available. However, when you get to a certain level and you are competing on a regular basis, it would just be a lot easier for you to own your own only because you start traveling so much with it and the logistics of it would just get complicated if you're always borrowing one, especially if you're tra traveling on a regular basis. And also one thing you have to think about is rifles that are owned by a club there's a high chance that there are other members of that club who are also using that rifle and so if you're borrowing it all the time it then makes it difficult for other members to shoot on it and things like that so it would be possible to get to a high level on a borrowed equipment but I think once you get to a certain level you you do start like needing your own equipment. And can you tell me a little bit about your training how does your training work what's your training schedule like? At the moment there isn't really one purely because things are still not great because of COVID but on a typical like training week I probably try and go to the range three or four evenings a week. I usually during the week I won't do more than like two and a half three hours at the range. On the weekends I tend to spend a, like longer time. That's when we typically tend to have training camps so Saturday and Sunday it'll be full days of training and then throughout the week I'll do three or four days of physical training as well and um, so there are days where I'll do both and there'll be an overlap but yeah that's a typical training week for me I'd say. And you're balancing this with university right? I am yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me what are you doing at university? So I'm currently studying a PhD in epidemiology. Wow I mean that's really interesting for the time that we're in right now aren't we? During the COVID crisis, I've heard that you've been sort of helping out at hospitals and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so not so much anymore. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I was working in a hospital in a coding department. But I 
left that in September last year because I decided to focus a bit more on shooting and also September is when I started my university course so I just wanted to like dial down a bit I was I've got a part-time job now nothing related to anything it's just the supermarket but I'm working part-time nights studying full-time PhD and shooting part of full-time as well so it's busy it sounds really busy I'm not sure how you should fit it all in can you tell me a little bit about your role models in sport and and how they've inspired you I have like three role models who I always speak about because they're like you know I think they'll always be my role models but within athletics Dina Asher-Smith and Katerina Johnson-Thompson have always been my role models. With Dina Asher-Smith, I've always grown up watching athletics. I'm awful at running, but I like watching other people run. And just seeing her, like, seeing her progress and seeing her excel in the sport, especially right now, she's just doing so well. I think as a young person watching that on TV, it was always great to see someone who who's like me and trying to do the best in their sport and also looks like me doing so well in their sport it was just really inspirational I had the same kind of thoughts about KJT apart from with the additional factor that she's also from Liverpool so I was like so very close to home and then my third role model is Lewis Hamilton I'm a huge F1 fan and so like watching what he did especially over the last year and during the pandemic and he used his voice in every race that that was had and um he received a lot of backlash but he didn't stop you know he kept going and kept speaking about what was the the causes that were that he was passionate about and why change needs to happen within certain areas of like sport and I just found that really inspiring and so I think he'll always be a role model of mine as well. And this is actually coming back to that idea of why representation is so important and how you as one of the few black shooters for the country mm-hmm. by being in that role you could hopefully inspire younger people to come through and to take up the sport or just more people to come through and take up the sport I mean I really hope so I hope that um I can be a role model for the sport I certainly try and act like one whether I am one yet or not we'll see but I definitely like try and act like a role model in everything that I do and I'm very like active on social media, probably more so over the last couple of years than in the past, purely because I'm very aware that like social media is it these days. And a lot of young people, especially are on social media and they, they're watching people's social media. I want to be at a point where people like young aspiring athletes will see my social media and they'll be inspired. And it's something that they want to do. And this is why it's so important to use your voice in these kind of campaigns. I am. I am. (laughs) To sort of be able to be the person that somebody can sort of look up to. What does the black community think about you shooting? Have you had much feedback from people? Are they really proud of you? I'm not entirely sure. However, I spoke to someone from the Voice newspaper. I think it must have been a couple of months ago now. And the man that I spoke to told me that like he and others within the black community are super proud of what I'm doing and they're like so proud to share my story and let others in the community know what I'm doing and yeah kind of like share it within I 
yeah, I just wasn't really aware that there were people watching what I do. I think it was only until when I had that interview with him and he was like, no, as a community, we are watching what you do and we're proud. I was like, okay, I guess that people are seeing what I'm doing and, you know, they are very aware. It's, it's great that, you know, I have that community supporting me and it's just, it's super exciting. My origins are Malawian. Um, I was born and raised in the UK, but, you know, I was the only one who was born and raised in the UK. Everyone in my family born in Malawi. And so I go back to Malawi every year. I'm still very, like, closely connected to where I come from. I think it was earlier this year, I was contacted by a school out there, and they asked if I would do an interview with some of their pupils for International Women's Day. I remember speaking to three of the kids, and one of the questions that they asked me was how does it feel to inspire young black kids from Malawi? I wasn't even aware that people in Malawi knew knew what I was doing. I mean, I know that I knew that people here knew what I was doing, but the fact that it's reached there, my dad works in Malawi, so he spends most of his time there and he'll call me all the time and be like, people over here, they know who you are. And I'm like, this is just crazy. It's It's bizarre that not only am I trying to like break barriers and reach people in this country, but I'm also managing to do it in that country too. But it's amazing. It's what I set out to do. So it's great that it's it's happening. It's incredible. And what a great feeling. Yeah. Why do you think kids from diverse communities haven't taken up shooting as a sport already? I honestly think that one of the main things is just that they're just not aware about it. If I hadn't have been in a private school that had its own cadet force, I honestly don't think I'd know that it was an Olympic sport probably until this day. Because even though it is in the Olympics, it's rarely televised. Or if it is, it's probably, you know, on the red button at like 3am when no one's awake. So I, I'm i very like into the Olympics and I, I've watched it since I was a kid. But like I say, if I hadn't have been in the cadets, I would not have known that shooting was an Olympic sport. And I think it is just awareness is probably one of the main reasons why why there is like such a lack of diversity in it. One of the things that I am planning on doing with British shooting is going around to schools, especially in areas where there are ethnic minorities, and just letting them know because I'm pretty sure when I go to those schools and I tell them about the sport, a lot of them probably will not know unless they've they've been part of a cadet or scout force, they probably will not know about it. So I'm hoping that once that awareness is there and it's created, hopefully, you know, we will start to get more of a diverse um, uptake. And also, I think that, you know, if you're born in the country, you kind of know a lot about guns, you know, about farmers, and it's part of your everyday life. But certainly living in a city, you hear a very different rhetoric when it comes to guns. So you don't really think or appreciate that actually there could be sport even where you're using guns. It's great what you're saying about getting out to schools, but what else do you think can be done to raise the profile of it? That's a good question because I think the easiest thing at the moment is schools. It's the easiest way to like tackle that and just other youth groups and things like that. But maybe just like more awareness from higher up, so local governments and councils and just finding ways to to get the word out there about this sport. But I mean... I think what you're saying is right. A lot of people, well, certainly within shotgun, maybe not so much within rifle, but a lot of people, shotgun shooters, 
they will have grown up in the countryside and that's how they will have gotten into it. But I think it's easier than people think living in a city because, I mean, I grew up in a city, Liverpool. I wasn't deep in the city centre, but I'm also not far from the city centre. And so as someone who was raised in a city, I know that it's not as hard as people may think it is. For example, when I was living in London, obviously London is huge, but I saw so many different cadet branches. If I'd be on the bus, I'd pass like a cadet branch that was like in the middle of one of London's main like towns, for example. And I was thinking, I bet that all of the cadets in there have experienced shooting. However, there'll be kids that pass that every day and they just won't even think about it. You know, things like that. And that is deep in a city, but people just won't know about it. What do your family and friends think about you doing this? When you first came to them and said, oh, by the way, I want to do this as a career. Did you get a few raised eyebrows? I think they were, I don't, it sounds bad, but I don't think they really had like much of an opinion. It was almost like, if that's what you want to do, then then go for it. I think they knew that I also have like the academic side of my life so that if shooting ever did not go as well as I wanted it to, or I decided to eventually give up shooting, they knew that I have other options in life too. And so they knew that I'm, whatever happens, I'm in a very secure place, whatever I decide to do. Um, so I think they were just like, you know, if it's what you want to do, then then go for it. And, you know, they're, they're proud of where I've got to. They're, they're very supportive. So I can't really ask for much more than that. <laughs> do they come and watch you? No, uh, my parents have actually never seen me shoot. No. Again, it comes down to like my independence within shooting. A lot of people that I shoot with have been shooting since they were very young. Whereas I came into the sport very late. And so a lot of people that I've been shooting with, their parents have seen them shoot because they were taking them to competitions when they were younger and they have been up until now. Whereas I joined the sport when I could already drive and travel anywhere that I needed to go. If I've got a competition abroad, I'll fly alone. If I've got a competition the other end of the country, I'll drive alone. And so I very much just take myself to the competition, do what I need to do, and then come home. I'm I'm happy with it though. I've never I've never like been keen for them to to come and watch or anything. I just assume that hopefully when I get to the top top competitions, they'll be there watching them. So, oh, I'm sure they will be and cheering you on. And when you meet people just in everyday life and they ask what you do and you tell them, what kind of reaction do you get from them? I think people are just like a bit like everyone just wants to know more about it. A lot of the people that I meet when I tell them what I do. Like I say, they, they won't know it's an Olympic sport. And so I always have to go through that moment of explaining it to them and letting them know what the sport is, what I do exactly. And I think people are just almost impressed and they always want to know more, which is it's great. And also, I'm just thinking about the stereotype, especially when it comes to black people and guns. It's really good to see that that narrative is being changed. How do you feel about that? I mean, I, I feel great about it. You know, like I say, I've, I've only really ever experienced that when I was a student. And maybe that comes from like students having like an immature mentality more than like when I've now grown up a bit more. And like when I tell people about it, I rarely experience that anymore. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's great. It's great. Just finally, can you tell us what's coming up for you in the next year? Oh, gosh. Well, depending on 
what competitions go ahead or not. Hopefully, um, I'll get selected for some major competitions next year on the international scene. That would be the dream, some higher competitions to work towards. But it is a case of waiting and seeing what goes ahead or not. But whether they go ahead or not, I plan from now to prepare as if they are going ahead and to prepare as if I will get selected, just so that if the time does come round, I'm ready for it. Thank you so much for joining me, Ruth. It's been brilliant having you on today. Thanks for having me. I'll be back with another episode of All Girls Brawl, the podcast. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at All Girls Raw. And please do get in touch and leave a review. Until next time, bye.